The following audio is to express the opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind. All funny jokes or just jokes, so don't get it twisted. We are live. Back at you after touring with Taylor Swift. Uh, Brayden, that was really fun getting to be her opener for a couple of shows in a row. Um, I was actually looking at tickets. And did you know that like some of the cheapest tickets to those Taylor Swift shows are like 400 bucks? Oh, stupid. Absolutely stupid. For one ticket. Hey, you want to know a secret, though? This is a good hack. This is why all the listeners come to us. Um, Megan's dance teacher, old dance teacher, showed up at the uh, Dallas Cowboys Stadium when Taylor Swift was in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody that, you know, she was connected with, uh, reached out to her, said she had a headache and didn't feel good. So her dance teacher brought Advil and like water or something with her and went to the security guard and was like, Hey, I brought this stuff for somebody inside. They don't feel good. Can, can you get this to them? And the security guard was like, Oh, that's so nice. Just go in. And so she got to go into Taylor Swift for free. Yep. All around hacks all around. That's pathetic. I mean, if you got the end, you got the end. Like, you know those videos, and they are super strict at the Super Bowl now. But there are videos of people literally just showing up with a weird vest on and carrying a ladder. Two guys show up four or five hours early to the Super Bowl carrying a ladder. Nobody is blocking them. They just walk up to a fence, and they're like, we got to get through. Yeah, of course you do. You have a ladder. You have a ladder, man. (laughs) Yeah, which was, you know, a 10, 12 foot ladder cost a hundred bucks or something like that, or you just have it on hand. Dude, I mean, just you can get anywhere in life with confidence. It's true. That is my entire mantra. Like you don't belong, fine. Just act confident. Don't be arrogant, don't be an a-hole. You can just be confident and get into any thing that she wants let's let's distill this into a nice little um i would i would call it a proverb a nice little um aphorism always carry your ladder that's it yeah all the knowledge right there always carry your ladder boom you're in everywhere which kind of just breaks down to look important enough to be there Mm -hmm. look important enough nobody will question you look at look like you belong enough that nobody will question Oh, you will get questioned. So don't don't throw that in there. Let the people know you will get questioned, but you're holding something that kind of just gives you social proof and you're good. Oh man, it's exciting. Anyway, so wanted to break down this uh fantastic week with I know we threw some teasers in last week of this story. Um I basically talked to one of the head head people of one of the largest telecom companies in the U S because they screwed me over. I'll get to how they screwed me over. Talk to one of them to get an entire problem resolved. And it was resolved me once again, not holding the ladder or carrying the ladder. Some dude emails the head of this organization company and gets it resolved in less than 24 hours. 
I'm going to break it down for you. I was informed last week, uh, no, almost two weeks ago, of a hit on my credit score. And my credit score dropped by over 100 points. Can we and give a shout fast to whoever warned you of that? Was it Mint? Was it uh, your bank? Yeah. Who gave, who gave it to you? Um, I think it was a bank email. It could have been a Mint email as well. I'm going to say I got karma, it. could have been anybody. Okay. No, I don't, know. I don't think it was like a credit karma or Experian or something. It was definitely Mint. I love Mint. Huge shout, shout out, out to Intuit. Mint. Here we go. Good job. Yeah, go invest in. Just kidding. Not investment advice. Anyway, regardless, got that notification. Okay. I get pissed because I'm like, what happened? And then I find out it's from this telecom company that I used to have Wi-Fi with and paid monthly and all this stuff. And then I switched to get Google Fiber because it's Google Fiber and it's amazing. Okay. So everybody understands that transition. So this stupid company, right? I'll just use like a made-up company name for this huge well, wireless. Hold on a minute. Can I can I just company. say can I just say that it sounds like you're calling you're saying telecom, but it sounds like on on the voice that you're saying telecon. So I just call them the telecons. They're the, they're the telecons. They conjure. They are the telecons. Telecons. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the telecon. So this. Yeah, I'll just make up a fake telecom company name. Just reference it. So. I'll just make one up spectrum right so let's just say there's this company called spectrum that does wireless internet for single family homes or something like that right i'm just making up that name anyway they stuck i turned in my equipment and i canceled my service on the same day walked in talked to the new guy at the desk answered the questions did everything i needed to finished out the last month of whatever contract and said, Hey, thanks. See you later. Did everything right. Unbeknownst to me, one hour later, for some reason, it in the system said that they gave me back my equipment, my little modem and router, $60 worth. Okay. Then they said, Hey, we, uh, they mailed me a couple months later saying, Hey, you still owe us. For this equipment i never got those to be honest i completely probably just threw them away thinking i don't deal with this company anymore why do i need to look at it zero phone calls zero emails zero text that's a big problem so anyway i come to find out that spectrum this fake name company went and sold my debt to a debt collection agency who then put a hit on my credit, ruining a ton of it and saying, Hey, you never paid the $60. And in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, this is stupid. This is so dumb. I'm so mad because my wife and I were looking at getting a home and you know what you need when you try to buy a home is a good credit score. I was livid. I called the support line for, like a day straight and tried to get to the top of the person there and could not figure it out. And I was pulling my hair out. I was being rerouted, transferred, everything, call to call to call, was getting literally nothing done. And I was at my wits end on that day. And I remember talking to my wife and saying, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I can't get this solved. Like, for some reason, they just messed me up. 
they said that they would do an investigation into, hey, let's see if your inventory uh, or your equipment is actually with us in inventory where it might be. Within 10 seconds of that phone call, they entered the serial number in and they said, oh, that's weird. It looks like it's in our inventory. I said, no shit, Sherlock. But still, they couldn't do anything. I needed a letter from them that stated, hey, your debt has been taken care of. We've got, we've removed it from the debt collection agency, everything. And I could not get that letter from anyone that I talked to on the support line. So I'm just hitting my head against the wall and it's like 1030 at night and I'm just sitting on the couch. My wife had already gone to bed and I'm just stressed. And I thought, what would I do if I absolutely needed this done within 10 minutes? Like, I have a gun to my head. I have to get this done. What do I do? And then I just thought, I emailed the CEO of the company. And I thought, that's a really good idea. So then I went to the software that I use, Apollo. It's great. Everybody gets a free plug. You can just go get anyone's email in the world. Okay. So I go to this fake company's you know, domain, pull it, get the email contact uh, for everyone that I think would be super helpful to talk to the senior vice president or higher. And then I compile a list and then copy and paste emails to every single one, writing the most sob story of all time. Mm. Hey, my name's Connor. This happened to me. I think it was a clerical error, as was told to me over the phone. Here's what I need to fix it is a letter that I could submit to the credit bureau that just says, hey, Connor has resolved this issue with us. I go to bed. I send 77 emails. I go to bed. 77. Real fast. I love it. 6 a.m. the next morning. I've got three emails in my inbox of, hey, read what you said. So sorry that happened. I've gone ahead and forwarded to so-and-so at fakecompany.com. So-and-so is going to handle it. So-and-so then replies to that email thread and said, dear Mr. Young, we are so sorry this happened. I'm going to fix this right now. My mind was blown. Such a great idea. You just email and talk to the highest person possible at the company. No one will do anything if you tell them to do it. But someone will do something if their boss tells them to do it. And that guy and lady, whoever, just forwarded and delegated that email to somebody lower on the totem pole. And then it was knocked out within, I don't know, an hour and a half. I got that letter immediately. After being told by the service center, cold call center, all this stuff, it will never happen. Oh, I did like 55 backflips that day. I was so, so freaking pumped. It was the best day of my life. Mm. It's got to feel good to win, man. It's got to feel good to get a win. Yeah. Celebrate Celebrate those victories. That's beautiful. That's a great story. Yep. Uh, Thank you. And you're exactly right. It's all about, uh, there's just something about the human nature where like, had you emailed any of those, the the person who wrote you the letter, had you emailed them directly, they probably would have told you no, or they would have said, nope, not my problem. Sometimes you just got to go to the east. Yeah. And then you just say, hey, like, here's the issue. Um, Who can I talk to, to help me? That was my question that I ended it with, because that is the most answerable question of all time. 
especially if you go talk to a CEO. And for the like most a legit delegatable, problem. like the most delegatable question of all time. You're like, who? I, okay, cool, I was in, yeah. It was it was just a, you know, typing it all out at 10 30, 11 p.m. at night. I just thought, yeah, this will work. Boom, it was so effective. So mm-hmm. that happened. Um, I then found out later <laughs> my emails circulated in like a super senior high up all hands meeting where they were like, hey here's an issue that happened at one of our stores. This customer was so hurt and they had to email us because there's no way to solve this problem. Let's make sure that in our, you know, acceptance of equipment and canceling of service, they're taken care of. So I was talked about, I was an example. So happy that happened because more people should definitely use me as an example in their executive meetings. That would be great. And this is why, people come to the pod to hear great stories about how to hack the mm-hmm. I hope that that inspires everybody who feels wronged in anything to just email the CEO, just email. Yeah. The CEO. That's the answer. Email the CEO. I felt so great after that. And, uh, you know, we'll just let the chips fall where they may, but I got it cleared up and that's, that's all that matters. So anyway, I did something that was, told to me as impossible and I just fixed it. But you've got a better story and I'm super excited to hear the full details here. So you just bought a new car. Oh yeah. Something I similar did. with like credit and all this other stuff and finance. I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's a better story. It's almost the exact same story. Uh the exact the exact Ooh. same venture into the beast. Um I, I, I don't know man. I mean we worked in sales so we know some of the sketchy sales things that go on. Uh, but buying a car is just like every sketchy sales tactic that could exist is just thrown in your face, blatantly, blatantly thrown in your face, anchoring to super high prices, you know, cold rooms, keeping you around mental fog, making you excited to get out there. All of it, man. All of it. Um, so my story just to say uh, yes, just to, just, yeah, just to get the heck out, like just to be done. Uh, so my story, I'll skip a lot of the details. There are a lot of details here, man, that make it probably more exciting than what I'm going to give here, but it's a, it's a 20 minute story. If I go into everything, um, basically what happened was we were screwed over by a car dealership. There were some representations and misrepresentations made. Um, and, and then upon checking those representations, uh, well, I'll give you this story. We bought it on Tuesday. Tuesday night, I start getting this really icky feeling. And I'm like, I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. So I go downstairs at 2 a.m. at night and I plug in the flash drive with all of the documentation that the, uh, that's air quotes documentation for everybody listening, documentation that the uh, car dealership gave me on my purchase. Um, And not only did I find out that some things that should have been done were not done, uh, they gave me no contracts. There were absolutely no contracts. It was all signature pages. Um, and so what? very, 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 very sneaky, very, very sneaky move. Um, and so I had no contract. That's, that's not sneaky. That's illegal. <laughs> you can't send something to someone without the full document yeah. attached. Was um, it an e-sign type of process? Um, sort of. So what they do is while you're in office, I mean, we've done this before with I don't know, call it life insurance or anything else that maybe we've sold in the past where we 
we just kind of pull out the signature pages and say, hey, yeah, forget the rest of the contract. Just here's the signature page. Go ahead and sign. We know you're ready to get out of here. Um, the e-signature, right, obviously went to the signature pages. Uh, but what they do is they send you home with a scan of the hard copy signature pages, but not the whole hard copy contracts. Um, no copy of the electronic goes goes anywhere. So there was no email copy of anything. So I'm up at 2 a.m. researching all of these warranty companies, researching financing and how financing cars works and cancellation yeah. policies and stuff like that. I'm pissed. Uh, basically what it came down to was they had sold me a warranty under misrepresentations. Um, and I didn't have the contract for the warranty to prove that there were misrepresentations. Um, and there was a $1,250 credit on their website that they, uh, that they just didn't include. Like they just didn't give it to us. Um, which was the whole reason we went there. It was pretty competitive price with a 1250 discount. Nobody else is coming off their prices on brand new cars. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the next day I did some sneaky stuff. The next day I screenshotted the website, obviously, so that I had like, had them by the, you know, by the balls, like, Hey, your website says this discount. But I also called the sales desk, the online sales desk and talked with a lady and recorded on my Apple watch, the conversation. And in that conversation, I confirmed, I said, so you're telling me there's an absolute guarantee I get this discount that's listed on your website. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You're guaranteed to get that if you come purchase a car with us. Great. And there's no exclusions. I can pay cash. I can do trade-in. I can do financing, whatever. There's, I, I get it no matter what if I purchase a vehicle. Yes, sir. Absolutely. If you purchase a vehicle, you're getting that dealer discount. All recorded on my Apple Watch. It was beautiful. I mean, just... I, <laughs> golly, it was gold. Ah. I felt such a great... Ah. Such a great... Uh, journalist getting hyped getting hyped keep going keep going oh yeah 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 so i was fired up at these guys um and then you know i'm doing research on the warranty companies and and here's one thing so we put twenty thousand down um and i couldn't out of my bank do twenty thousand in one day right max was 15 so i had to pay five the next day so i'm calling up the next day anyway like hey do you guys want my money hey do you guys want my money the entire time thinking like whenever they get on the phone I'm going to tell them to cancel this contract and we're done here. Like we're not playing this game. Uh, They wouldn't answer the phone. And so now I'm thinking like, okay, they're extra sneaky. Like they're trying to wait until the contract gets funded and it can't be canceled and nothing can be changed before they even answer the phone and take the rest of my down payment. Um, So they didn't answer the phone at all on Wednesday. Tuesday was the purchase. Didn't answer the phone at all on Wednesday. Uh, Couldn't get anybody on the phone except for receptionists and salespeople. Um, Thursday comes around, same story. Can't get anybody on the phone. And I'm freaking out. And we had our pod. I don't know. It must have been after our pod that I did this. But I, after our pod, I had my breaking point, much like you, where I was like, man, I am just not. Yep. I am not going down this way. I am not going to be this guy. Uh, and so I did very similar to you. Here's a few things that happened. <clears throat> so I don't know the finance guy's name. Finance guy, while we're in the financing room, tells us, he's like, oh, yeah, my brother works here. He makes a lot more money than I do. So he's doing all kinds of investments, right? I, I you know, he sees my Emerging Oak shirt. He's like, oh, you're in finance, blah, blah. Uh, so we start talking about investment stuff. I don't know why I keyed in, but I'm like, okay, his brother works here. Cool. So I go through the financing documents to see who signed it. This guy named so-and-so signed it. Not going to give, not going to put him on blast like that. It doesn't matter because when you Google his name, nothing comes up. Even more, yeah, we talked about that. You yeah. wanted to find him, 
nothing comes up. No LinkedIn, no Facebook, no, never been in the news, no company profile, nothing. Um, but his same last name, but a different first name does pop up a few pages in. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just Google that guy then. Google that guy, go to the LinkedIn. He's the operating owner of the entire dealership complex. And I'm like, yeah, that's our Yeah. Family. So that's when we talked and I was like, can we get a business email? No, no business email. So personal email it is. Um, and so the story ends with me sending a personal email, much like what you sent. Big sob story. I, 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 I phrased it so I need, I need you to I need you to read it out loud right now. And I'll read the email I sent to. This is the cherry on top of the story. Redact uh, whatever info you need to. Oh, I don't but, know if I can read it out loud without. Um, okay. You I'll read, uh, here's what I'll do. Name. I'm not going to read it all because it's going to be very incriminating. And there's, there's info in there that I, don't <laughs> um, I know, but I need some of it, dude. I will. But here's what I want to give though. Here's what I want to give. Cause this is the key to these emails. I think, uh, hold on. Let me pull up the email. Who you put their kids, social security number in there and be like, Hey, do you recognize this? <clears throat> um, dang dude. I don't even know where to find the email, the beginning of it's the most important because what it does is it really takes them like it takes, it, it catches them off guard. Um, da, 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 no, dude, recent purchase. No, dude, why is it not in my scent? What is going on here? Um, I just don't know what email I sent it from, which is freaking awesome. Uh, Dude, you got to pull this up. You screenshotted part of it to me, I think. I did. All right. I'm going to read mine while you find yours. Okay. This is just dead pod. So here's what I sent to 77 people at this uh, super fake, terrible telecom company. Hi, so-and-so. Sorry for emailing so late. I'm emailing because my wife and I had a problem come up with our loan to buy a house. Set the stage. This has nothing to do with you or your job specifically. I was a blank customer in Austin, Texas, canceled my service in October of 2022 and returned my equipment. For some reason, the equipment was re-added to my account, even though the service equipment was returned. I'm told that it was a clerical error. I was apparently notified via letter, never by phone or email. I never received those letters and honestly may have thrown them away. Then there was a debt collection agency made a hit on my credit for the $60 owed for equipment I already turned in. At the same time, my wife and I have been planning for over a year to buy a home. We then got our dream home with a potential offer. Our lender ran our credit and financials again, and this time it came back with the credit, lowered the score, makes us now ineligible to buy the home. That was kind of half true. That's a sad story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As soon as I found out about that, I immediately called Spectrum Support and asked how to fix the issue. I was told by the clerical issue, could pay now, equipment would be underway and then verified when it was found that I would be refunded. I paid ASAP, but that's not the problem. The problem is to hit on my credit score. I was told that there was no way to get a notification that my balance was paid or now that it was now a $0 balance in the process to deleting the late payments owed and collection removed from my credit report is in progress. All I need and I'm asking for is what my lender says will fix the problem and remove that negative credit hit. I just need an email stating, quotes, 
blank company has resolved the debt issue with Connor Young. We have reported and notified the debt collection agency and they started the process to remove the late payments and collection from the credit report. Please help me. I need help. P.S. Here are my blank stupid ass company codes for confirmation. Confirmation for payment, confirmation for ticket number to debt to debt collection agency. Thank you. All in all, dude, I got over 12 responses. I just got it handled in the morning with the very first one. And then I said, thank you to everyone else. Like that email took me five minutes to write. Love it. And I just, I didn't use chat GPT. That was from the heart, man. Yep. That was from the heart. When it's from the heart, I think people can tell. So I have mine pulled up. I'm not going to read it all. It's beautiful. And you start <laughs> off in a similar way, right? You got to be disarming with them. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Hey, send it to me while you read it. Send it to me right now while you read it. And while he does that, I'm going to give everyone a fun fact about sharks. Did you know sharks have never been able to breathe air? They're just always underwater. That's great. That's a very good fun fact about sharks. Okay. Um, Fun fact about AI tools. Oh, you're done. Perfect. Yes. Okay. So I'm just going to read the first few sentences of how I, how I started it off. Uh Guy's name. I'm sorry to reach you on your personal email, but I didn't have access to your work email. By the way, I think that if you can find personal emails for the CEOs, it's probably better than their work email. Um, You're you're catching them them off guard. Uh, I want to discuss a recent vehicle purchase on 411. I was going to leave. This This is where it hits. I was going to leave a very bad review and even write up a Medium article about my experience but I've decided it's better to say what I think needs to be said (laughs) directly to you. Maybe it will inspire change without scaring the public away. And I do believe change is possible. Oh man. That's what you do. You just tell them, Hey, I got some grievances. I'm not going to out you. I'm not going to expose you, but I believe you can change. I believe you can change. And you wrap up the email with that too. Hey, here's where I think you can change. Uh, Yeah. Oh, it was great. So back to the car story. I send that email about an hour later. He sends an email back apologizing. Really funny at the beginning. I I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, He said, I actually had no idea I even had a Yahoo email and I'm not sure how it came, but that's an investigation for it another time. And I was like, my final reply was maybe someday I'll share with you how I found a personal email you didn't even know you had, but thanks. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so he, he uh, attached the GM of the complex, the GM of the specific dealership, and was just like, hey, fix this. Then I got a, a call from the GM of the complex, and he was like, hey, what can we do? We talked about it. He pulled up my contract, was like, wow, the contract hasn't been funded. Normally, those are funded in like three hours. I'll just go ahead and cancel it. Tell me exactly what you want it to look like and come back tomorrow and we'll sign a new contract. Um, and then I told him exactly what I wanted and we went back and it was beautiful. So with one email, here's the wrap up. I won't give specific numbers, but with one email and one more trip to the dealership, we paid off 25% of our note. (laughs) Get out. With the renegotiation, renegotiation, 25% of the note just disappeared of the original note just disappeared. Yeah. I I will say. The beginning of this email is the uh, embodiment of what Karen is. 
I was going to write a review and a medium article about my experience, but I chose to just contact you instead. And to be quite honest, it's taming. Karen. These are all it's taming. Karen. Yeah. Karen would go write reviews. Karen would absolutely write reviews. She would, but it doesn't solve the issue. So this is a better version of what that is, which is, Hey, this was a huge kind of mistake. And I need this to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you put it out like that, and you're actually not, I think it's even better when you're not in person, because this is a very confrontational thing. If you can eloquently put it like you did, you put phrases like my wife and I felt cheated. This didn't make sense. This hurt us. You bolded those words. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) So good. Yeah. Cause you painted a picture of like, Hey, we're just trying to make this happen. And we agreed on a deal. And for some reason, your guys made a huge mistake. So uh, his response, can I read part of it? Because it's so good. Sure. Yeah. He said, I'm replying to my work email. So you'll have it. I actually had no idea I had that. So thanks for getting that. I'm reaching out to blank of the whatever dealership to get their quote unquote story. I will make right whatever has gone wrong. And I apologize for Blank's lack of communication. Oh, my gosh. So on this email is Blank, the guy that (laughs) avoided all communication, this other guy who runs the dealership, and then another guy that probably has some sort of managerial over everything. Yeah. So then he says, guys, please let me know what we screwed up and what so we can make it right. Sounds like we owe him a discount and full copies of his warranty wrap, but mostly an apology. So what he realized is, oh, you're exactly right. You shouldn't just get the signature pages. You need the entire contract because that's illegal. You I know. Do I have to have that. Easily just take him to court or something. That's so bad. I know. Um, hey, you want to know the better but, thing in the story? So. So brother, sure. the one whose name I could not mention, who was our original finance guy, who was listed in that email, like, hey, sorry for his lack of communication, really called out several times in my email too. When we went back, he was the one who was redoing the paperwork with us. We sat in the room with him again Good. for 30 minutes. And it was so awkward and such a great victory. He was totally I'm so different. happy for you. He, he, you could tell he was defeated, and it was just like, man, yeah, man, ripped by your because own. hey, dude, yeah, like you get paid more if it's a sticker price. Everyone knows that. Fine, you get paid more on the uh, the financing that you run on it. Fine, you cannot do what that guy did. So proud of you, man. Well, here's Look at us. Look at us walking around on our dubs. Did you see what I threw with the extra money? So the money, right, I, I think at the bottom there, I say, your dealer discount needs to be removed from the web- website or it needs to be, be clear that guys are supposed to honor it. I mean, come on. How much does blank amount of money really add to their commission? Is it really worth damaging the reputation reputation of the company and creating unhappy customers? <laughs> like, oh, man, it's such a small amount. It was probably... I don't know, man. It was probably like $300 most on their commission. But uh, yeah, hmm. dude, that makes me so happy. And for everyone interested in these background noises, uh, Braden is just playing with a slinky. I do. I play like an actual 1940s children's toy. 
I don't understand why, but I will let you have it, man. Thanks, I'm man. so proud of you. Thanks. It's like Ace Ventura. <laughs> throws it down all the stairs and it stops on the last yep. one. I love it. So that's our story. That's um, man, if anybody needs like help negotiating with companies that have pissed them off, just call me and Connor. We got yeah. you. We got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in summary, there is a company that you can call. So this is another free plug. They're called Do Not Pay. Do Not Pay.com. They are a fantastic company. From what I can just tell online, I've never used them. But they just take away parking tickets, health insurance bill or medical bills, um, lease agreements, everything. You just send it to them and then they take care of it. And then they get to keep a percentage of the money they save you. Mm. And completely just funded beyond belief in my, uh, I got to look it up. It's probably on TechCrunch or something, but a good company that you can do there. Um, I, for one, don't want to spend <laughs> any of my time kind of advocating for this because it is also the most stressful thing of all time. But, yeah. but when it happens, it happens, man. You got to, there's a fight or flight mode. Uh, and I feel like there's a lot of people out there who just take it and they're like, okay, whatever. Right. I guess I can't buy yeah. a house, which by the way, before we end the pod, are you buying a house? Are you under contract on a house? We are, man. Yeah. When were you going to share this news? Big news. It's for right now. It's for the story. You're not, you're not, you're not selling your house. Are you, is this, are you doing a rental? I am going to do a rental. Yeah. You are such a genius board man. That's beautiful. Did you know me? Heavy, high CRE real estate <laughs> investor. That's just what I do all the time. Is it a house in just Austin? Kidding. Tell us about it. Tell the pod, share the pod, share with the pod. Yeah. It's a house in Northern part of Austin suburb called Pflugerville. Mm. So yeah, my current house. Which one are you going to live in? In Austin. Oh, the Pflugerville one. You're going to definitely live in move into that. Yeah. Also, here's the hack that I've, I figured out that, you know, my buddy Ryan and Cannon do up in Colorado and Utah. You just move into a house and then all you have to do is stay there for like nothing. You can stay there for a month, I think. Actually, I don't know if you can do it for a month. Probably but so. you stay there, for, it's probably 12 months. But then if you want to use that as the rental property, then you just go buy the next house, right? So they've been doing that. They're on their third or fourth house. I didn't know that you could just keep doing that. I thought when you did that, you have to do something with your loan, with your current house. So it's viewed as like an investment property. No, you can just get the cheapest interest rate of all time. Well, compared to what's going on with investment property interest rates and then just rent it out. You move, you live there for X amount of time and then you just buy another house mm-hmm. and you hold on to it. Yep. There's probably a specific rule of like, oh, it's got to be six months. I don't know. I don't even know if it needs to be that. But you just get the lowest loans by moving into it for a certain amount of time and then you buy a new house. There are no raw laws against how many houses you can buy. That's true. It's yeah, and they're awesome. not going to change. I guess what you're saying is they're not going to change the mortgage and make it a 80-20. No, it's fixed. Yeah. You're not getting an arm or like an adjustable rate. You're just getting a fixed 30-year. 
So are you just going to uh, do this every so, year now? Are you going to try and buy a house every year? I don't have that type of money. No. Um, so now you're going to be getting rental from this house. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's not going to like oh clean up right. So if you really want to make a lot of money, uh, go buy a duplex, rent out half of that to somebody else for hopefully what can cover the whole mortgage, and then move rinse and repeat that that will start stacking it up but then you really have to be good at your property management everything else so there's a lot of benefits right with real estate because if you sell you can sell it roll it in tax-free into another property cannot do that with pretty much any other investment that's probably the biggest thing 1031s so nice well otherwise congratulations on that dude that's pretty cool that's very cool. I hate that Thank you're going to go to Pflugerville. Nobody likes Pflugerville, but that's okay. See, that's what I like, though. People want to hate on Pflugerville. They hate it. It starts with a P. The next letter is F. And they think, what is going on with this place? That's so stupid. But it's got a lot going for it. That's Once it. you get in there, it's like you're inside the cult, right? So you get a little access to everything else. But I'm excited. It. Hopefully we'll work out um, and then throw a big old house party. But anyway, all that to say, what I was thinking of with real estate and real estate investing, which I suck at, I'd so much rather just manage money and trade stocks and options, is this idea that I texted you about. And this is the next big thing for what I want to talk about on this pod. I don't know if I talked about it last time, but... There's this idea of a co-working space with like-minded individuals. So it's not open to the general public. It's a completely highly vetted type of admittance. So it doesn't have to be like the most expensive. It's definitely not going to be the cheapest. But just because, you know, if it costs $1,000 a month and you have that and you pay it, doesn't mean you can get in. And I thought something like this would be massive for what Sam Parr just started with Hampton and you could have people that are in Hampton, right? So there's a handful of people in Austin currently, and you could say, Hey, we've got this super cool decked out co-working space. You guys can come in. It costs this much per month. It won't be a lot. Right. But then you can just say to the general public, Hey, are you interested in working <laughs> next to Sam Parr and like, you know, these four or five other people, maybe 10, I don't, I don't know how many people in Austin and they come in, they work. Are you interested in paying this much and working per month too? I guarantee you hundreds would be hundreds of people would sign up to just try to interview so they could get in. You then make it just so exclusive that you don't need to make a ton of money on it, but you can build it. So <laughs> it just, has the greatest people in that office of all time. And you could slowly open it up, maybe get some more people in, blah, blah, blah. And people will move, whatever. But all you're doing right there, if you just copy and paste it in other cities, is just building the wait list into Hampton. This company that Sam Parr started that he wants to do tens of millions of dollars with. He got tons of people that applied and reached out. This will create an eternity of a waitlist pool of people that are already around the Hampton people 
and then their companies aren't doing millions of dollars every year, but they could and they might. And he could have access to just including them right into Hampton and then rinse repeat. I emailed him and he was like, this is such a great idea, but we don't have the time to do it. Also, when we announced Hampton, we had tens of thousands of people sign up. So we're kind of good on the wait list for right now. And I said, I get that part. Okay. But this is massive. And this guy, Rohan, on Twitter, tweeted out something very similar. He said, what if we had a co-working space for fans of like my first million? And it was around a central connection or similarity. Not just like we work and you're working remote or whatever, but you have this familiarity or similarity with something. It's a connection. And then you worked along and with those people. And I told him, I DM'd him. I was like, hey, dude, love the thread. Here's what I sent Sam and here's what we've talked about. And then Rohan hasn't replied back at all because he hates me. I don't know. But that idea is, I think, game-changing. I think if someone invented that, a co-working space, and it was just geared towards a ton of the same similar types of people, and you're just working on stuff together, but it just was super exclusive. So you have to interview, apply, all the stuff to get in. Like, you can't just pay like a WeWork. That's, that's brilliant. It, like, caps the ability for it to grow, but WeWork itself just had its entire valuation chopped to, like, 600 million or something like that, which is stupid. Um what I'm getting out of it and what I think is very interesting is what you do. We may have talked about this on the pod before we might not have about how AI will destroy jobs everywhere. At some point Um, there might have to be basic income, but really what's going to happen is that people are just going to branch off because of the internet. And because of what we have access to back in the day, our community was our family or our community was the city we we lived in or whatever it was. Now, everybody has these online communities, these Discord servers or or whatever, Reddit threads. They have a community of people that are like-minded around them that that everybody thinks the same, likes the same stuff, et cetera. And it seems like what you're describing is just like community co-working spaces where it's like, hey, this is no longer an office for Apple. This is actually the MFM community co-working space. And everybody that is in there are big fans of MFM. Maybe they subscribe to the community and like support the community or whatever. And they all could do different things or have different things about them. But the thing that ties them together is that they're part of part of the MFM community. And so it's like community co-working spaces. It seems like that's what you're pitching at a grand scale. And you're right now you're just like focused on the first layer, which is like the MFM community one, but there could be communities. Yeah. There could be though. Warren Buffett super fan community co-working space. There could be, um, I don't know, the Joe Rogan community work co-working space, like all kinds. No, of you're things. right. No, I, I think you can build the physical community thing out. It would work really well for like my first million for a lot of people who are building a business, right? They're entrepreneurs. 
they would be a good fit for, oh, I'm, I sign up for a co-working space, right? So I like, I go to that WeWork in North Austin and I know six other people right now. So I would have seven, including myself, that would pay to be in like a co-working space. That's great. You know, not, it doesn't have to have every single amenity, but if I was around people running, you know, a 500 million CRE development company, <laughs> I would love that. Like that guy's just like in the booth over there. And I kind of know a little bit more about him already. Maybe. But like, I think what you would love more is if you were working with, I mean, success, I guess here matters, but really what you care about is other people that listen to MFM. And you guys can talk about the MFM episode. And y'all can shoot sure. ideas just like MFM is, right? You you could have, here's where I think the community part matters is like, you could have the guy who runs a whatever size CRE fund and he could give a shit about you and have nothing to talk to you about and not care about hearing your ideas. That's his focus. That's all he cares about. That's all he's doing. And you mm-hmm. would be extra or feel special about being around him or having him there. But if he was a like-minded person and listened to the same podcast the way you do and did it the same, yeah, that's, that's the key trigger. You know, that's a key thing where it's yeah. like, and they could be successful. Yeah. So it, successful if it was, well. if it was literally sponsored by MFM, as exactly. in, they don't really, yeah, they don't have to pay for any of it. Technically they can just say like, Oh yeah, that's affiliated with us. They like and promote, promote it. it. Exactly. And it's a, it's a co-promotion. So they get ownership in it. I mean, here's my thought process is like, go buy a large office building downtown with 30 floors and each floor floor is a different community co-working space. And each floor has a, you know, the revenue from that floor is sponsored by the podcast and partnered with the podcast that it's associated with. And that podcast suits it out. The Knowledge Project, I don't know if you're familiar with the Knowledge Project. It's the exact same thing as MFM, the exact same people. They have the exact same guests. Go get a knowledge project floor. Go get an MFM floor. Go get a Joe Rogan floor. Yeah. And dude. Yeah. That's, that's why I think, yeah, you could. Yeah. If that audience is the same, i.e. I percentage of them are working remote or yeah, they're working remote already. They would be a great candidate to work in a co-working space. Like, I love how I built this. That could be doing it too. But I also love like the Huberman show. They, that audience probably wouldn't be a fit. You know, you can't necessarily do it, you know, for every single podcast, but you're right. There's a ton out there. There's got to be Discord servers and things like that for people that are building cool things and doing cool things. There's got to be like, maybe like an engineering or like World of Atoms Discord server of like, you have a bunch of people building crap engineering crap on a floor yeah like, but if there's a brand you're exactly right you can't can't really go out there and say like oh this is just gonna be a great co-working space for like super awesome highly motivated people there's there's a dime a dozen of that but if you build it and the, and they control the ownership and their own brand and that's great but if you literally build it so it's like hey this is just directly to mfm or even better for a long-term plan <laughs> is oh, this is just for Hampton, right? So if you're, you know, running a company that does less than a mil or a couple of mil in revenue, whatever their criteria is, you can't join Hampton. But what you could do is apply and then work in this 
co-working space. Yep. Where other Hamptonites they and have, work. A, have a floor for um, whatever it is that Paul's a part of, right? And and I oh, go abundance. There's a ton of people yeah. in abundance that probably need it, and GoBundance can sponsor that. Have a floor that's for um, uh, bigger pockets. Have a floor that's for you know, like, dude. It, that's it's so endless. smart. Any community, any community has enough people to sustain a floor of co-working space, and and a platform to to promote it. It's beautiful. It's a great idea. Okay, so that that's that brings online back into real life right yeah it does but i I don't know i think you have to get it started with one probably before saying like and then going to another podcast and saying like oh here's what we're doing you know like oh this really worked or another brand whatever because if you do it really well with mfm i guarantee you you could take it to bigger pockets and say hey we're doing this yes We'll spin it up. We'll do everything. We'll find the people in different cities. We'll get it all coordinated. Here's the business model. If you guys just talk about it and it's promoted, you get this revenue split. Dude, I listen to the Business of Biotech podcast a lot. Um, it's another one. That doesn't surprise me. Good go, God. Set it up in, go set it up in Massachusetts and set up a set up a Business of Biotech community, you know, place. And then... I mean, it's so great because you can just cater to whatever community it is. But yeah, you probably do need to start with one. But just cater to the community. Be like, hey, this is for people that like this community. And people will go to it specifically for that. And you'll get such a wide range of people. It's it's perfect. Yeah. I think the two that I would just focus on is just entrepreneurs, business builders, and then entrepreneurs, real estate. Yeah. Right. And you probably so bigger pockets or all this other stuff. If if it were me and I had the capital flowing in to play this game, I would probably have a membership with three or four different communities. And I would go to a different one every day of the week to see the different people and, and talk about the different things. Um like Ooh, you, you could even make it like that. It's like yeah, nobody hey, if, you could, if you apply and you get in and you pay this amount, you can go to any of them yeah. and work from any of them. That's that's kind of smart. Yeah, cross community, right? People have multiple podcasts they listen to. People have multiple Discord servers, Reddit threads, Twitter groups, whatever it is, right? Uh, Facebook groups. I mean, dude, even, yeah, you could probably find a pretty decent Facebook group for like entrepreneurs or real estate guys or startups or whatever. Create a co-workspace for that. There's definitely an Austin Startups Facebook group. Go there, create a community Austin Startups Facebook group thing. And I, I mean... The opportunities are endless. And what you're doing is exactly what you said. You're taking people from the online community and putting them there in person, butts and chairs. And they will like it more. No doubt about it. It's like a secret club. You create secret handshakes or something to get into the door or like secret codes to get in the door that are related to the, to the community. It's like, that's lame. That's really nerdy. I mean, whatever (laughs) you want, dude. It's uh, yeah, it really is. Like you could literally have a star. Totally have a spy. You could have a Star Trek co-working space or Star Wars co-working space, and you get the same kind of community, same concept. There's probably not a lot of entrepreneurs doing Star Wars fan crap. No, but I mean that's honestly really smart for like same community co-working spaces that yeah they're all 
revolved like around one community or similar community. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, like it's awesome to have a WeWork or a big co-working space and people are different. They're doing different companies. They're doing stuff like that. But if you have, you know, someone that loves Star Wars or Harry Potter as much as you do. And I think those are bad examples. Like, you but know, real not, estate okay. for the Somebody bigger pockets. MFM. Somebody likes MFM as much as you do. It's no longer seeing them in the kitchen and being like, hey, how's work? Like, that's fine, but it's not a big yeah. deal. It's like, hey, what'd you think about what Sean had to say about this? And that's super interesting. And it's like, yeah, we'll have things to talk about. And people and, like it's a community, dude. I mean, what you could do is like, technically, you don't even need MFM's permission. Like, you can just make it specific to like, <laughs> you just want them to podcast. Promote you. you really just want them. And to you want them. You want them to promote you. Yeah. But what you, you can do even faster is like proof of concept. And it's hey, we got this. We got this co-working space. We get this coffee. It's great. It runs really well. Everyone's MFM. You have to apply. You get interviewed, and then you pay four hundred, five hundred bucks a month, which is crazy high compared to like WeWork. I think WeWork's like two hundred fifty, three hundred. Um, dude, and literally you could it. just get the people off of their Twitters. You can just comment on all of their last tweets and be like, Hey, opening up a co-working space in Austin only for MFM fans. DM me for more information and people will DM you. And then, yeah, that's proof of concept and you can do it right in front of their face. That's so good. I think you could also this guy I saw reply to that thread. He was like, Hey, I'll do this in Tampa, Florida. And then I got, you know, Rohan did something to it, whatever. But he just created like a Google form. So I need to go back through the thread and see, okay, how many people actually did that? Cause he's collecting information, right? What's your name and email. Um, and you know, it could take off, but you're not going to get middle of Kansas doing this. Like it has to be Miami, Tampa, Austin, San Fran, LA, you know, big spots where it is expensive as hell to like rent out space, but you're going to have a lot of people in those areas. Like those are the towns and cities that the biggest players play besides Warren. He loves Nebraska. Hate that guy. Yeah, oh, man. you're right, dude. I, and I think that the there's a lot of potential there. And I just think you got to generalize it and scale it out. When MFM works, it's like, okay, cool. Let's go find other communities to build this for. Because I think it'll work. Yeah. Oh, well. I think so, too. Um, real estate, I didn't even consider that one. Bigger pockets would kill. Would absolutely kill. Like, I know the two guys right now. Maybe even more than MFM. Denver and Salt Lake's. No, it would. I mean, their audience is 10 times bigger, I think. Right? And those people need Boston. Yes. And those people are constantly, you know, here, there, wherever. Network and blah, blah, blah. I mean. Like, if I was, yeah. If I really love bigger pockets, I would do it for that first. I would just say, like, hey, I'm opening up a co-working space. You know, you pay this per month. You get this badge. You can get in. It's not going to have an app and everything like WeWork does. But. Um, it's just going to be better because you're going to have 
the absolute best killers in these space. And think, ooh, ooh, think if you're someone running a company and you want to go find other like-minded people and you want to go find people that are really, really good. Out of you it. could just set up, you, you, yeah, you can set up an appointment and, or just like contact the company and be like, hey, I want to go recruit. Or if you're sneaky, you could just like pay for a month's membership and go to all these places and hit them up and be like, hey, come work with me. Yeah. Um, but you, it is another revenue stream to be like, hey, if you're hiring, you know, come do a 10 minute thing. And then everyone here is kind of working on different stuff. You might be able to swing some people over. Oh, dude, I'm hooked on this idea. I really am. Anyway, my dream <laughs> is I can get a legit actual lake house on Lake Austin and then convert that thing into yep. a co-working space office. Yep. With a nice view. Oh man. And With like, a nice view. A deck everybody where can go sit and have coffee. Oh. Everybody can hop into the boat at 6 p.m and just go wakeboarding at the end of every day. And you're doing that with like 10 to 15 awesome, great people that you don't technically have, you know, control over their companies or their work or all this other stuff, but they're so like-minded to you that it's just a great community. Yeah. You see what I mean? People just like being there. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Ah, Dude, I... I'm so hell-bent on this idea. I need to get it going. Just do it. Uh, anyway, that's all I got. That's that's on my end. I can wrap up. Are You you have any other good thoughts? And we'll that's end with end. question on the market and wrap in. All right. So let's go to our question. Um, so this comes from Timothy in Iowa. And Timothy is asking about CDs says, hey, guys, uh, love the show, love the pod. Been looking into a lot of CDs from different banks, credit unions, and seeing high interest rates there. Is it worth it to lock up my money 12, 18, 24 months if there is a recession, a bad one coming? And then when that time period is up, I could pull it out and put it in something else. Pretty good question. Pretty good question. I'm, I'm going to say, Timmy, Sorry, Timothy. I'm going to call you Timmy. Timmy Duncan. Buddy. Um, I like it. It depends on the interest rate that you're after. And personally, I'm not at all going to look at anything that's over 18 months of a lockup. But that's just me personally. But if you can find something that's 5% and that's annual, but it is for a year and a half, so you get, you know, Almost 7.75 on it. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds, eh. Especially if there is going to be some shaky weather coming in the markets. We're talking choppiness. Choppy in that sea. What do you think, Brandon? Uh, I think CDs are fine. I think that people choose CDs because of the convenience it's just easier to do it with the bank, you know, that they, they know and trust. Um, yeah. I think that there is, it's not as, it's not as good. Let's say you do it with the bank, right? You have some sort of surrender fee if you want to get out early. Um, 
it would be much better to just go to treasurydirect.gov and buy treasuries. Um, you know, there, anybody can go sign up and buy treasuries on treasurydirect.gov. Uh, yeah. There is no surrender fee. They're completely liquid. And depending on the ones you buy, if interest rates start going down in the next year, year and a half, the value of that bond is going to go up and you're getting the 5%, 5.5%. Um, and you can sell it. So it just, it's a little bit more, takes a little bit more brain power and thought, especially if uh, old Timmy, Timmy D, uh, I don't know, maybe he's got games he plays in the evening or, you know, whatever he does. I don't know what he does from work for work um, anymore. Um, I yeah. Think, uh, I, I think. Uh, and this is not actually Tim Duncan. This is <laughs> Timothy from Iowa. We were going to go. But with I Tim get what Duncan. you're saying. Yeah, I think that, you know, whenever you get home from work, you're tired. You're just like, whatever, the bank offered this. I can do it real fast. It's a quick bank sweep. It's done. If you want to take a little bit of extra time, treasurydirect.gov would would serve better. That's yeah, Work. totally valid. It's, do you want hassle, no hassle, pros and cons? You got liquidity versus absolutely zero liquidity or, you know, the huge yeah. penalty. But, you know. Do what's best for you in your financial situation and talk to a professional. If you don't have one, hit us up, 737-210-3054. Thank you for sending the questions. We appreciate y'all. Markets themselves, we're 16 days in a row. S&P 500 has changed 0.51%. That's flat. That is that is very flat for 16 days. Um, last time that happened was February-ish. And then it dropped dramatically in March. And the time before that was December and in January. And then it spiked up. So my thinking. Moving. Go nowhere. Earnings. Earnings price. Yeah. Earnings coming out is. Uh, it's going to drop the hammer. Um, but it is going to be choppy, choppy, choppy all year. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll talk soon. Yeah.